2: Absolute Sports Betting Degeneracy.
3: Welcome to the zoo. With Sex Panther and Chubby Zebra. Everybody, it's Sex Panther here. And I know what you're probably thinking. Like, where's Arch? Where's Max? Where's Saxy? Where's Phil? Where's where's somebody? Why is Sex Panther talking first? And I think it just goes to show you they'll let anybody do this podcast stuff and get a hold of the microphone. Saxy taught me how to do this recording thing, and we're gonna try and do this thing on Thursday nights now. It's the last Thursday in August. That can only mean one thing. It's college football season, and I'm joined by my good longtime friend, Chubby Zebra. Chubby Zebra, welcome back to the zoo.
1: It's It's been a while. I mean, I've kind of gone into a, a bear-like hibernation, but I know zebras don't hibernate, but this one does. So, But it's nice to be back. Uh, summer's wrapping up. That means one thing. That means fall's right around the corner, and the college football season will begin.
3: College football season's beginning this weekend, but high school football started, uh, what, one or two weeks ago. You sent me a video. I don't have it on the podcast or we haven't shared it with Arch and the guys yet. But uh, you had a little hiccup last Friday. You want to you share it with the degenerates?
1: Well, yeah, a little bit of a hiccup. Um, the older you get, the funny thing is uh, each year I come back and do this and I get older and slower. And the kids seem to stay the same age and get faster. So um, it's a little dangerous in high school being in the umpire position. That's um, not like the NFL. They they don't play in the offensive backfield. We're in the defensive right behind the linebackers, between the linebackers and safeties. And midway through the third quarter last week, um, I was there and the linebacker off to my left. And he started to drop when he read pass. And I started to move forward towards the line of scrimmage when I read passed. Uh, for my coverage responsibilities. And then he decided to take off running towards the line of scrimmage and went right through the back. And, you know, at this age and and this size, when you're, when you're not expecting to get a blow from behind um, it's, you know, a slight tremor was felt in, in North Manchester, Indiana last Friday night <laughs> as I hit the ground. Um, uh, did one more play. Um then, uh, as I do before every snap, I make eye contact with my referee as we're counting the offense. And he stopped the game. I'm like, what's he doing? And he comes over. He goes, you're not right. And I'm like, what, is, what are you talking about? He goes, no, you're not right. He called the trainer out. And the trainer comes out and looks at me and says, ah, come on with me. And took me off the field and ran a series of tests uh, with you know moving his fingers around and stuff like that. And said, um, you're done for the night. You, you need to call it a night. So first time in my 18-year career, uh, I have been removed from the game for any particular reason but this time was by the trainer
3: the referee gave you the standing eight the trainer just waved you off that's it (laughs) throw in the towel so we're gonna try to we're gonna try to
1: avoid people next or tomorrow night and we're gonna try to stay on our two feet for a game
3: so you're good to go you got all your cobwebs are cleared you're good to go absolutely everything's working so well i'm glad the cobwebs are free uh clear because now college football hasn't started we have no games we're gonna tackle Season totals. So you and I have been chit chatting, you know, getting ready for tonight. And uh, we got a handful of of teams that we want to look at. I'll let you take the lead. Who's first up for you?
1: We're going to start down in Atlanta with the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech. Uh, total I've got is three and a half. Uh, Jeff Collins took on the task of trying to transition Georgia Tech away from that triple option that they ran. And everyone knew it wasn't going to happen overnight. And it definitely has not happened in three years. Um, they've won three games in each of his three seasons there. They only returned six starters, which is the lowest amount in the ACC. Um, their best player was running back Jamar Gibbs, and he was poached by Alabama, and he is now a crimson member of the Crimson Tide. And the second-leading rusher, Jordan Mason, he's now a San Francisco 49er, so they've, gotten to, they've got to replace their top two backs. Their, their offensive line, the five guys that are anticipated starters, are all underclassmen and have a cumulative total of 37 starts in their career. Defensively, the outlook is even worse, with only two starters returning from last year's 3 and nineteen. Massive roster turnover and possible lame duck coach is not a recipe for success. Uh, when I look at their schedule, I see three winnable games, Virginia, Duke, and Western Carolina, and only one of those, I think, West Carolina is uh, a gimme. Um, and then the other nine, I think they're going to be double-digit dogs with Clemson, Old Miss, at Central Florida, at Pitt, at Florida State, at Virginia Tech, the Hurricanes come to town, at North Carolina, and at Georgia. I don't see any way in the world Georgia Tech wins four games, three and nine at best, most likely two and ten. I'm taking Georgia Tech under three and a half wins, and it's a minus 120 line, but that doesn't scare me at all. Uh, jump on Georgia Tech minus or under three and a half.
3: Not a team that I've looked at, but in, in full disclosure here, it's not a team that I even remember played college football the last few years they've They've kind of been that bad. I think I thought Paul Johnson was still the head coach there <laughs> uh, uh yeah, so uh, given the information that you've provided, it does not sound very optimistic for the Yellow jackets. Do you think the coach gets through the season?
1: You know, college is a little different than the pros. Very rarely do you see a coach uh, let go mid-season unless there's some sort of scandal. Um, I, I can see him going through the season, but if he turns up another two and ten after back to back to back three and nine campaigns, I, I don't see how he can survive. I know it's not easy. You know, he's had four years of bringing in his personnel, but I, I it's going to be tough to survive another two-win season.
3: All right, well, Georgia Tech under three and a half. We're gonna bounce back and forth. Zebra goes first. I'm gonna go now and we're gonna take a look at the Mac and the Toledo Rockets. Hour and a half up the road from us here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Dare I say, Toledo's been the best team in the Mac for the best six or the last six years but I don't think you'd really know it when you look at their the record and their real lack of success. They've only made it to one conference championship in the last six years. Last year, they lost five games by a touchdown or less. One of those being Notre Dame, they probably should have won that game. They led the MAC in yards, 435 yards per game and 33 points per game. The, the offense only had seven turnovers the entire season. It's pretty remarkable. I know some NFL teams that do that in one game. Uh, quarterback, Daquan Finn, 18 touchdowns, only two picks, 505 rushing yards and nine touchdowns. Dual threat guy. The defense was second in the Mac. They only gave up 350 yards and 22 points per game. The problem, the biggest problem for Toledo and primarily that defense was their penalties. They, they, dead last in the NCAA penalties, 130 penalties for 1,172 yards, and they really couldn't create any uh, turnovers. They can reduce those penalties, and the defense creates some turnovers. Um, The the total was set at eight wins. I think they get over that eight wins. So I like Toledo uh, at minus 110 over the eight wins.
1: You're, You're not scared of that opener against Long Island University?
3: No, but I'm going to give them that loss in that third game against Ohio State.
1: I, I, I reckon so.
3: So, yeah, you would go go through the schedule. I mean, they're going to go 2 and 0 right out of the Gate Long Island and UMass. They've got Ohio State, San Diego State they can win, and then you're you're into the MAC where I actually think Toledo's better than anybody they play including Northern Illinois, uh, Buffalo and, you know, Western Michigan. So, I, I this actually could be a double-digit team.
1: Sounds like a sounds like a winner to me. Who you got up next? We're going to stay in the ACC and, and travel up to Pitt. Um, Pitt had a magical twenty twenty one. Will they come back down to earth a little bit in twenty twenty two? Very aggressive defense should still be solid with eight returning starters, of which six were all ACC. The front's going to be extremely tough to deal with, led by future pros uh, Kalaya Kansi and I can't pronounce his first name Baldonado, but I think he's going to be a guy that goes by just the name of Baldonado because he's that good. <laughs> um, the offense that could be where they could struggle a little bit um, with even with the experienced offensive line and two of their top running backs, or actually three of their top running backs returning. The loss of Kenny Pickett to the NFL and All-American wide receiver Jordan Addison to the transfer portal, I think he wound up at USC, were massive blows to the offense. Uh, they did get, I guess it was like a trade. They got Caden Slovis from USC. So I don't know if I guess we can trade now in college like we can in the pros. Um, he might Is he going to be able to fill the void at quarterback? That's yet to be seen. Uh, there is a new offensive coordinator in town, and he's gonna—he's kind of a run-first uh, philosophy, which is right up Pat Narduzzi's alley. So uh, I expect to see Narduzzi concentrate on the defense while the new AC uh, runs his style of play. Looking at their schedule, um, I'm assuming that they open the season with a win over West Virginia. They're gonna be about a touchdown favorite. Uh, but that backyard brawl could go either way. And they should beat Duke, Georgia Tech, Rhode Island, and Syracuse. And they've got a revenge game at Western Michigan. So right there, assuming they beat West Virginia, uh, that's six wins. So the question is, can they go 500 in their other six? And their other six are home against Virginia Tech, home against Tennessee, at Louisville, who's coming off of a bye, at North Carolina, who will be coming off a bye, at Virginia, and at Miami. Four coin flips in that group, and I think two of them they'll be medium sized underdogs. So, if t- say they lose the underdog games, the four coin flips, can they win two out of the four? That's that's the or, or three out of the four, actually. Uh, I'm going to take a chance that they don't split those six games or possibly even lose, which would be great to West Virginia to start the season. I'm going to take Pitt under the eight and a half. Uh, it's even money right now.
3: Under eight and a half. I thought I thought maybe you were going to you know, do a little zigzag there and go, and go with the over. Um, yeah, the loss of Kenny Pickett, usually in, in a normal college football season, losing an NFL caliber quarterback is detrimental. But then their ability, this whole nil thing and the transfer portal, and I, I'm not a fan, but we won't dive into that. But uh, the ability to get a guy like Slovis to slide right in, I imagine he'll pick up the offense pretty quick. But the ACC is not—it's not one of the tougher conferences, I guess I would say. But um, eight and a half seems to be right on. I didn't really have a play here. Maybe a lean over, but it just—it just just wasn't a team that I liked because I I actually think eight or nine is probably probably right about there.
1: Uh, An upset by West Virginia in week one would almost—I'd almost call it a it. winner, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't like the four AC or I don't like the four road games they have uh, with Louisville, Carolina, Virginia, and Miami. Uh, I think that's one and three at best. And then I did in as long, and then somehow Virginia tech or Tennessee uh, can, can get a win at Pittsburgh. Um, I, I just think the schedule sets up for an eight and four at best. So I'm going to take a chance, even though it's with the even money, Although the, the odds makers like the over a little bit, I'm going to say under. All
3: right. I like it. All right, next game up or next team up for me. We're going to, to look at the Air Force Academy out there in Colorado Springs. Um, you know, d- discipline is never an issue with these kind of teams. Now, they, they rarely throw. They lost three times last year. All of those losses were by six points or less. They led the nation in running. No surprise. It's pretty much all they ever do is run. Quarterback Hazik Daniels, only a 49.5% completion percentage. All three of Air Force's losses were when Air Force was forced to throw, right? If they don't have to throw, they're going to win. But if they're forced to throw, it puts them in a bad, bad spot where they can't run their offense. Uh, time of possession because of the running, they, they had 36 and a half minutes where their opponents only had just over 23 minutes. Um, here's the thing about Air Force this year. When you look at the schedule, we'll go through the schedule here in a minute. They're favored in all 12 of their games. And yet... The season total is set at 8.5. Now I'm looking here. We got we're gonna open up at home against northern Iowa and Colorado. I think we're gonna touch on Colorado here in a little bit. At Wyoming versus Nevada versus Navy, at Utah State, at UNLV versus Boise State, at Army, New Mexico, another team we're gonna talk about. Colorado State and at San Diego State. Like there's not a guaranteed loss on, on that. That list there, eight and a half. What do you think, Zebra?
1: I, I don't get it. I, I mean, I looked at this one as well, and, it, and all signs are pointing to the over. I think Air Force might be favored by a touchdown or more nine t- nine times. You know, so you're telling me that they're going to lose one of those games? Obviously, it can happen, but th- they're by far the superior team. It looks like up and down the schedule all year. I, I don't understand the number. Um, I, I like where you're going with it, but I, I, I can't figure it out it looks too good to be true and you know what usually happens then
3: yeah too good to be and still here's the other thing it's only at minus 110 so i'm i'm not even eating any chalk here so i don't know if vegas is setting up a trap or something the toughest game on there's what boise state and they even get them at home so at home, yeah I, I i don't get this at all i at eight and a half i feel like four losses there's supposed to be four losses on here i don't see it so i like this play what, what's, your, what's
1: your third team you're looking at? Uh, we're going to tra- travel to the SEC for one and go down to Stark Vegas. Uh, Mississippi State's total is 6.5, uh, minus 125 to the over. Uh, Will Rogers is coming back for his third year as a starter in Mike Leach's system, and I think he'll thrive this year. Three other times in Mike Leach's career, he's had th- uh, three-year starters, Graham Harrell, Luke Falk, and Cliff Kingsbury. And all those teams won at least nine games and improved their win total from the previous year. Uh, However, they were not in the SEC when they did did this, so that that could be a problem. Um, They have one of the most experienced rosters in college football returning uh, with upwards of 16 starters from last year. The defense is going to be very good again with the return of defensive lineman Jordan Davis from injury and the transfers they brought in. They're going to be huge up front, massive front seven. Uh, they won seven games last year, besides, despite being two and three in one possession game. So they didn't know how to close those tight ones. Hopefully, with the experience of these starters coming back, that's going to change. Their schedule, when I take a look at it, even though it is one of the toughest schedules in the country, uh, even though they have relatively easy non-conference games, that's what happens when you're in the SEC West. Uh, their non-conference games is Memphis, which is going to be a revenge game that they shouldn't have lost last year, but was, a lot of people think was taken away from them by my brethren, but we won't go into that. Um, Bowling Green, East Tennessee State, and at Arizona, who's going to be awful. So that, I'm counting four wins there. Now the question is, can they go three and five in the SEC? Um no easy task at all in the division they're in, especially with the crossovers that they have. But those SEC games um, include trips to LSU, who, yeah, it's never easy to play there, but I don't expect big things from them. Texas AM and m and Arkansas, they're at home at least, and we all know how the Cowbells can get into some people's heads. They're at Kentucky, at Alabama. Obviously, we know that's a loss. They get Auburn at home off of a bye. They get Georgia at home, and they're at Ole Miss. So, Three and five in there is what I need to go over this total. I don't think it's going to be easy, but I'm banking on them going three and five in the SEC, maybe four and four. I'm going to take Mississippi State over six and a half minus 125.
3: Over six and a half minus 125. Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule here. So their SEC schedule, only two teams, LSU and Auburn, not ranked. They got sixth ranked a 19 Arkansas, 20 Kentucky, Number one, Alabama. Number three, Georgia. That is, you, we're trying to find three wins out of that mess. I,
1: I, I the Texas A&M and Arkansas at home. I, I like the fact that with the experience that Mississippi State has, I think one of those is a winnable game.
3: Yeah, and I do I,
1: believe Texas A&M. I think, if memory serves correct, could be a trap for them. I think A&M plays Arkansas prior to Mississippi State and then Alabama. Post Mississippi State, I think that's probably one that um, Mississippi State's going to jump up and grab.
3: There's a there's a chance there. We're going to talk about A and M here in a minute. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the schedule, and I, I look. I think they got it right. I think you're right. Looking at six or seven wins, it's going to come down to whether or not they can eke by one of those ranked teams. Um, the egg
1: the egg bowl at Thanksgiving might be the one that I'm sweating out for the for the win on
3: that. Yeah, I might be sitting at six by the time they get to that one. All right, you know, what? funny thing. So we're gonna stay in the SEC and and go to. Oh, I know we're not. I'm I'm one one team ahead. We're going back out to the Mountain West. Uh, we're gonna look at the New Mexico Lobos. I know it gets y'all excited looking at New Mexico, but hey, we're trying to bet on something that we think is gonna happen. Now, listen, Zebra, listen to these stats. New Mexico didn't score over seventeen points. In their last ten games, they only hit fourteen points twice. They had four passing touchdowns in their last ten games. Now they got quarterback Miles Kendrick. He's a transfer from Kansas University. He transferred from KU to New Mexico. I, I don't even know what to. Say. I don't even know what to say about that. The leading wide receiver, the leading returning wide receiver had 23 catches for 228 yards. This team is absolutely awful. They open up the season against Maine, and maybe that's a winnable game for them. Maine won four of the last five games at the end of the last year. Um, But after that, I'm going through their schedule. Boise State, UTEP, LSU, UNLV, Wyoming, New Mexico State, maybe. Maybe fresno state utah state air force san diego state colorado state i'll see three wins there their their totals two and a half and by god i'm going under the two and a half
1: gutsy play but they have proven over time that you know they're a two-win team um if somehow maine were to come in there and and spring the upset um, (laughs) you might as well cash your ticket because I don't see how New Mexico is going to um, go over two and a half if they lose that game. So kind of like Kansas, which the quarterback came from, he's very familiar with winning their first game of the year and then (laughs) dropping 11 straight. So it's going to be, uh, you know, business as usual for him.
3: God, even Kansas, I think, can get over 14 points. Uh, yeah, that's that's my third one. We're on to team number four. Who are we looking
1: at? I'm gonna jump up into our beloved in local Big Ten, and we're gonna take a trip to Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, total for this Nebraska team is seven and a half. And you look and you go, How can it be seven and a half? They were three and nine and awful last year. Um, I'm gonna call them the best three and nine team in the history of college football, and why do I say that? They were 0-8 in one possession games and had a ninth loss by nine points to Ohio State. The three wins they had were by an average of 40 points. Somehow, some way, they finished 1-8 and in the Big Ten with a positive point differential. That, that's just mind-numbing. They need to replace 14-year quarterback Adrian Martinez and interior offensive line, a couple receivers, and a quarterback that they lost to the NFL. But Scott Frost knows his job's on the line. He took a pay cut. He got rid of all his assistant coaches. Uh, He hit the transfer portal, and he hit it hard. And he thought probably figured he needed to to save his job. Uh, Quarterback should be Texas transfer Casey Thompson. And along with a new offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, from Pittsburgh, um, the offense should be solid. We saw what he did with Kenny Pickett and the Pitt offense last year. Nebraska, for the first time since 2016, has a special teams coach, and that should help avoid last year's constant costly mistakes on the special teams just by focusing a little bit on it during the week. When I looked at their schedule, they've got a very, very generous start to the season, of which they could be double-digit favorites seven times. Um, in, in the win total, seven and a half. If they take care of those seven, they need one win from a list of home against Oklahoma, which it's not the Oklahoma we've grown to know and either love or hate. At Purdue, at Michigan, Wisconsin at home, and Iowa. The way I'm looking at that, based on what Nebraska looks to be, they could actually be favored in two of those games and the other three potentially a coin flip. As long as Nebraska holds serve when they're favored by double digits to seven times, I see them going eight and four, possibly even nine and three coming off the three and nine season. I'm going to fall into the trap, and I'm taking Nebraska over seven and a half wins at minus 110.
3: God, I I remember doing this show with Arch two years ago when I was on Nebraska, and and it just – it still haunts me to believe that this team – Um, from the Tom Osborne years has fallen so, so far, but you're right. When you look at the schedule, I mean, the three and O right out of the gate uh, before they take on Oklahoma. Now I I think that win or lose may be irrelevant. It's just a, a measuring stick, right? We see how they play against Oklahoma and have a better idea of how they'll go the rest of the season, but then they rebound, they get Indiana, they get Rutgers. I mean, God, there's, they're five and one. They're probably a, top 15 team on, on rankings because, you know, voters don't know what they're doing. Um, but yeah, I, I, on paper, I got to agree with you. Now, let me ask you this. They replaced some coordinators. Some coordinators were forced out by the athletic director. This is kind of just to save Scott Frost's job. Is this job on the line here? If, if they win the only seven or eight games, let's say they hit over the total eight games,
1: is he still in trouble? I, I, you don't know what, what you know, the administration and the athletic departments thinking in Nebraska. I mean, Scott Frost did everything that that an alumni would do. You know, he agreed to a pay cut. He agreed to get rid of the coaches when they, you know, again, zero and eight and one possession games. He he did everything they wanted him to do. I would personally, just a guess, I think they're going to give him two years. Now, if they fall flat on their face and go five and seven, uh, he's probably gone. But if they go eight and four, nine and three, you know, make it to you know, an Alamo bowl, or even, you know, one of the noon bowl games on new year's day. Um, he, he, he's going to be safe for a while.
3: All right, I'm with you. I'm going to lean the over boy. I tell you though, they fall on their face again. I'll never touch Nebraska ever again.
1: (laughs) Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you.
3: Uh, All right, now we're going to go back to the SEC West. We're going to take a look at the Texas A&M Aggies. We talked about them when we were talking about Mississippi State. You know, A&M, they're hyped up every year, right? They're a top five this year. I think they're number six. Um, They're just the talk of the town. But when it's all said and done, they've ended up eight and four uh, three times in the last four years. They've only been over eight and four one time. Um, the quarterback, here we are two weeks from the week and a half from the season started. The quarterback is yet to be determined. Looks like Haynes King might be the likely starter. Um, but they do have running back Devon, Achain. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. He had 910 yards, nine touchdowns, seven yards per carry last year. I think they'll be relying very heavily on him and that defense, the 14th ranked defense in the nation last year. The Aggies went 7-0 when they allowed 20 points or less. They were only 1-4 when they allowed over 20 points. Now, that just goes to show you that offense wasn't exactly as prowless as we had hoped. Uh, So this year, they start off, you know, typical SEC kind of schedule. Sam Houston, Appalachian State, who does, I mean, look, Appalachian State, Near and dear to my heart, right? (laughs) From way back with uh, the the kick that uh, the the world heard when they beat the Wolverines. They get the Miami Hurricanes, Arkansas, the game we're both looking at, uh, Mississippi State. Then they get Alabama. And and that's what we were talking about when you were talking about that. So they get Mississippi State the week before Alabama. Both those games on the road. That could be a look-ahead game for the Aggies, which maybe, Bo, uh, in, in your favor there. Uh, then after that, it kind of gets a little bit more manageable. South Carolina, Ole Miss, Florida, Auburn, UMass, and LSU. Uh, total is only eight and a half. Uh, I I love the Aggies. Is, is that right? Eight and a half. Yeah, eight and a half. Uh, give me the Aggies over eight and a half.
1: Uh, make makes sense. They only play four preseason ranked teams. Now, again, rankings, what do they really mean? And three of those are at home, Miami, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. Um, and those teams are ranked between 16 and 21st. Their only ranked road game is Bama, so we're obviously going to say they're going to lose that game. Um, you know, they hold serve in all the the games that they're playing, nine ranked teams. Uh, the, that's eight. And then you just got to get one from those, those three ranked teams at home. Uh, pretty solid choice
3: yeah and like you said all those all those ranked teams that they're playing outside of alabama are home games so yeah i it's it's um we were talking pre-show about this you know the rank number six but the total was only eight and a half so there's a little discrepancy there between whoever the rankers are what they think of these aggies and what vegas thinks of these aggies all right next team up for you who are we looking at
1: we're going to go out to the Pacific Northwest and, and take a look at the Washington Huskies. Um, Washington was a complete disaster last year, finishing four and eight, uh, which included a home loss to Montana. Not, not a team led by Joe Montana, the Montana Grizzlies. That um, season cost Jimmy Lake his job. He's out, and Kalen DeBoer uh, is in from Fresno State, and he's bringing both of his coordinators with him. Uh, quarterback play last year at Washington was absolutely disgusting, uh, with more interceptions than touchdowns thrown. Their running game was one of the worst in the country. Uh, they get IU transfer Michael Penix Jr. And if he can stay healthy, which is a big if, um, quarterback play is going to improve drastically. Penix thrived at IU in 2019 under then offensive coordinator, Kalen DeBoer. Uh, maybe we got something cooking here. Uh, their defense lost two all American pack or all pac 12 cornerbacks to the NFL draft and another defensive back uh, has signed in as an NFL free agent. So the defensive backfield has been decimated. Um, the biggest weakness was stopping the run last year and they did a two, four, five base and um, not very common defense. And how are you going to stop the run with, you know, two guys up front um, that's out and they're going to put in a new four, two, five, which is going to bring some bulk up front and, and, you know, give a little bit more stability to stop in the run. I took a look at their schedule. Um, they don't have USC or Utah. Uh, There's six home games. They should be double-digit favorites in all six of them. They're going to start out 2-0 and versus Kent and Portland State, and if they don't, this is going to be disastrous to pick. Uh, then Michigan, Then they go. Then they got Michigan State coming to town for a primetime uh, matchup on television, which should be fun to watch, get the boats out and and see what's going on. We're going to see what Washington's really made of in that game. Um, that's going to be a huge test. Stanford comes a calling in and that should be a win. So let's just assume they take care of business as a, as a home double-digit favorite. Uh, that's six wins and they're going to need two out of, these, out of these last six. And these six that I'm looking at are Michigan State at home and then their they're, they're road tests at UCLA, at Arizona State, at Cal, at Oregon, and at Washington State. The way I see it, Four of those six games are very winnable. Um, with a new staff, and I am a Kalen DeBoer fan and a favorable schedule, I see Washington being eight and four at worst, maybe even nine and three. I'm gonna take a chance and take them over seven and a half and lay the 130.
3: Yeah, I like where you're at here. I mean, Kent State and Portland State, you know, two very winnable games. They start the season all four straight home games. You almost never see that. But then, like you mentioned, it gets very, very road heavy. Both Arizona schools aren't great. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm not even really excited about the entire Pac-12 as it is. Even the so-called uh, juggernauts, Oregon and USC, are breaking in new coaches this year. So, yeah, there's there's definitely some upside here. Last year was a letdown. Not Not one that I'm on, but looking it over, I can see where you're at. I'll agree with you. I'll I'll lean that over with you. Next team up for me, we're going to stay in the SEC West, and we're going to look at the Bayou Bengals, the LSU Tigers. Now, how can we talk about LSU without talking about, first, the huge coaching change? Brian Kelly's in at LSU, and he didn't get a lot of support from, from Notre Dame as far as the coaching staff. A very, very many of them stayed back in South Bend. Uh, I believe he had one coordinator come with him. And then he had to build it all uh, basically from the ground up. A lot of replacement. Matter of fact, they still haven't even replaced uh, their quarterback yet. They don't know who the quarterback is. Um, so th- there's a lot of questions with the coaching staff, the players. There's a lot of things to look at here with LSU. Well, let's start since that national championship year in 2019. They went 15 and 0, won the title, had guys like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They went 11 and 12 since then. It's not acceptable, at LSU. You know, as I mentioned, no quarterback yet. Looks like Jaden Daniels, the transfer from Arizona State. This uh, is probably the leading candidate to take over. I can't imagine you transfer from Arizona State to LSU and, and probably not be the guy. But they've got an incredibly tough schedule. We're going to go through this here. They're going to open up against Florida State. And I, I don't know that Florida State's really all that tough, but against LSU rebuilding, I kind of have that as a toss up game. That's a, that's a primetime Labor Day game. Then they get a typical SEC bye week in Southern, Mississippi State. New Mexico, another easy opponent, at Auburn, home against Tennessee, at Florida, versus Ole Miss, versus Alabama, at Arkansas, Alabama-Birmingham, and then at Texas A&M to end the season. You know, Outside of the gimmies that are on their schedule, I don't like their chances really against the SEC opponents. We've got a total of seven here, and in Brian Kelly's first year, I don't think it gets there. I like the Bengals for under seven. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at under seven here, Zebra. Uh,
1: I, it, just lose to Mississippi State and I'd be tickled pink and lose to Texas <laughs> A&M. You're happy. That gets you, That gets us, you know, uh, win, on win. the way for, well, yeah, win, win, win for that situation. So absolutely not a bad idea. All right. Uh, See, so you got one more. I've got one more. Um, and this is my Favorite play of of these season totals. We're going to head to Boulder. We're going to stay in the Pac-12 and go to Boulder and look at the Colorado Buffaloes. Um, Coach Carl Durrell is in for a long season. Uh, Colorado lost six starters to the transfer portal. They bring in six new coaches. Uh, An offense that averaged less than 20 points a game last year has been decimated by uh, graduation and portal the defense lost five of their top seven tacklers and they're switching to a 4-3 this year so we're getting a scheme change as well as losing some of their top tacklers in addition to that they lost what might have been their mvp from 2021 to the transfer portal and that was their punter um <laughs> When I look at their schedule, they did themselves no favors whatsoever. They face 11 Power 5 teams. The lone exception is a trip to Air Force where they're a seven-point underdog. They face the projected top six teams in the Tech 12. There's not a single gimme on the schedule other than non-conference games, against tcu and at minnesota those are by far a gimme they're going to be a touchdown underdog in those their most winnable game is cal at home and that's going to be a pick they're going to be a touchdown underdog at least in five home games they're going to be a touchdown underdog in every road game if not double digits in 2021 they won four games One was against an FCS team. They don't have any of those this year. The other three came at home by a combined six points. This team was an FCS opponent and a touchdown from being 0-12. 0-12 is actually possible this year, but there is no way, no way at all this team wins four games. Three's a push. That's not even going to happen. Colorado's going to finish 1-11 and 11 or 2-10. and 10. Take the under three at minus 110 and go to the bank.
3: This might be the lock of the season. I'm looking at that. I didn't look at Colorado at all until you and I were talking about this, and I'm looking at it. You know, usually all of these teams, everyone, I'm not singling anybody out. They all do it. They've got a Patsy. They've got a one A 1AA school. They've got a New Mexico or something. They didn't do that. TCU Air Force in Minnesota to start the season. Their most, in my opinion, the most winnable game might be the Arizona Wildcats and even that's on the road. Like this, this is an absolute brutal schedule. The number four stuns me. Uh, I, this might be more than a lean. I might have to get on it with you, but uh, I, I absolutely love this play.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't see. I mean, they're, they're a touchdown underdog. In every game this year, except for at Arizona, and who knows they might be there because by the time they get to that game, you 0-5. know they're they're yeah they're yeah and who knows what you know the yeah. people are going to want to bet and the bookmakers are going to bet on it. But I, I'm telling you, 0 12 is not out of the realm of possibility for this team, and that's that's sad for for a power five team.
3: We can put them at the end of the season. Put them in uh, New Mexico in a bowl. I bet I'd watch it. I'd watch uh, it. I,
1: I would too. Unfortunately.
3: <laughs> All right, last one up. You know, we, we try to be um, very neutral. We we look at. But listen, I'm not getting out of here any week unless they don't play. Uh, without talking about my Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and we're going to look at Notre Dame now. Uh, lots and lots of changes, right? That no, the new quarterback. We got Jack Cohen's gone. New running back, Hyron Williams is gone. But the big, the big change. Marcus Freeman taking over a head coach, Brian Kelly down at LSU. Marcus Freeman's only 36 years old. My God, he's 14, 15 years younger than me, right? Two decades younger than you, Zebra. His first head coaching job, but the energy, I really have not seen this in any program where a head coach has been announced that the energy from the the roster, the um, administration, the faculty, the, the, the students, the fans, uh, I've never seen a reaction to a hire, much less a hire with no real head coaching experience that Marcus Freeman is, is doing. Uh, the enthusiasm is, is off the charts, and it looks like they're having fun. I don't know if you've seen some of the things they've been doing. They're making like these little fun commercials. They, were, they did this little advertisement um, in Vegas about the game, the neutral site game with BYU. So th- there's a lot of positive high energy now we have to see how this transpires into the season. Brand-new quarterback, quarterback Tyler Buckner's been named the starting quarterback. Now, he's a he's a decent thrower, but his the biggest weapon are his legs. He's a very, very dangerous runner, um, completely different than what Jack Cohen was at Notre Dame. He's, he was a basically a pure pocket passer, Vinny Testaverdi back there with concrete shoes. Um, leading wide receiver, Kevin Austin, out for the season, that was a big hurt. So now Notre Dame actually only has six wide receivers on scholarship going into the season, but who they do have is tight end Michael Mayer. Last year he went for 71 catches, 840 yards, and seven touchdowns as a tight end. Now these are my words. Uh, it's Uh, It's been written that he might be the best tight end in the country. I don't know if I've got much argument. I've watched the guy play and uh, he's got star in the NFL written all over him. The running back, Chris Tyree, he takes over for Kyrie Williams. Very, very explosive running back. I think the offense is, is going to be in good shape. Now, here's here's where I they got such a slow start, the defense last year, right? If you remember paying attention, they, you know, that the close game with Toledo, all their first games were really, really close. The defense could not get out of their way. The second part of the season, they kind of got it together. Now, Marcus Freeman has been promoted to head coach, they bring in new defensive coordinator, Al Gordon. He came over from the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I, I like the continuity here. He's got some uh, um, history with Marcus Freeman and Luke Fickle. So he, they know what they're trying to do. Um, so I, I, I'm not too worried about the defense. And But what I am worried about a little bit is that offensive line. They've got to be better, protect Buckner, and, and give them some running lanes for Williams. Last year, the offensive line gave up 35 sacks, and 82 tackles for loss. That's almost like Cincinnati Bengal esque itself. <laughs> um, you know, looking at the schedule, it, 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 you're almost blind or haven't paid attention or just not looking to not know they're opening up um, easily. Their toughest opponent. They're at the Horseshoe, Ohio State Labor Day weekend, and then after that, I think I, Zebra, I'll get your opinion here, but I think they might be the favorite in every game after that. They're they're home against Marshall, home against California at North Carolina, neutral site in Vegas against BYU, home against Stanford, home against UNLV, at Syracuse, the big one, home against Clemson, so at least they get them at home, at Navy, home against Boston College, and they end out in California taking on the USC Trojans. The thing here is they've got three ranked teams, well, four ranked teams, three that I think are the questionable losses, Ohio State, Clemson, and USC, yet their total is eight point five. I don't see four losses on here. I really don't. Uh so I'm on the over eight and a half. Am I am I crazy here, Zebra?
1: No, no, not at all. Um, you know, four ranked teams, they get Clemson at home. Uh who knows what USC is going to be. The only disadvantage for you is, you know, you know, UNLV and Cal and Marshall, those, those definitely wins. Navy should be, although we've seen crazy things happen. Syracuse should be somehow, some way when Notre Dame lines up on the other side of the field, um, some teams up with supernatural powers. <laughs> um, and, and rightfully so, I mean, it pains me to say, I think Notre Dame got this higher, right? That's not what I want to see as an anti Notre Dame guy. Um, I think they got it right. He looks to be the right guy for the job. He looks like kids love him. I think Notre Dame's going to get a different type of athlete now, Um, as long as they can qualify academically, because they don't lower their academic standards for anyone, Um, tongue-in-cheek. and. (laughs) Uh, they, they, they got it right. Uh, all indications are this is the real deal in Marcus Freeman. Um, Notre Dame's going to be here to stay, which is good for college football. It's good for pe- people like me and you to debate on each side of whether Notre Dame's good or bad. Um, it, I, I don't think you're crazy. I, I see them being favored in at least nine football games, possibly 10, maybe even 11 if they're favored at Clemson at home. Um, eight and a half seems like a strange number here as well. I, I you know, obviously you're a fan. I jump on it too. Um, I I think that's a solid number. Nine and three looks like a pretty safe bet for Notre Dame.
3: Uh, They've actually had 10 win seasons in the last five years. So Brian Kelly at least didn't leave the cupboards bare. Uh, That will take care of week one, our season total show. Any final thoughts, Zebra?
1: No, um, you know, this weekend, obviously, we're going to get the rust off of being able to watch some college football. It does look like it's a bad slate of action. Um, you know, obviously not very good teams. I, I don't know if there's any ranked teams in action, um, but it's college football, and we're going to watch it. We're going to bet on it. It's just, it's here. Uh, it's time. Um. Let's get prepared for week one because there are some good matchups in week one Labor Day weekend. And we'll come back next week and start breaking down some of the some of the top matchups. I think we're going to do things a little bit different this year. We're just going to kind of focus on on the games that, you know, that have a number beside the, the school's name and, and focus on those rather than trying to find diamonds in a rough. We're going to focus on the big games, So uh, should be a lot of fun. I look forward to it. And um, I think we've got some solid season totals here uh, to get us started.
3: Yeah, a it, it, uh, two-man show now, so it uh, gives us a little bit of wiggle room for uh, maybe some extra games that we didn't plan for. So here's what I want to do, Degenerates, you guys are listening, particularly you guys that are in the book club uh, over in the Discord. Um, when, if you want to send me a message uh, about maybe a game that you want to look at and you want Zebra and I to talk about, uh, do that on, uh, you know, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, before we start putting the things together, we do these shows on Thursday night and uh, we'll try and squeeze them in and talk about those. But as Zebra mentioned, we're primarily going to focus on the top 25. We definitely will try and cover the big games. I, I've actually tried to cover the big game, even if I'm not betting on it or not. I, I at least have an opinion on it. So, uh, that we'll do that and try and bring that to you, you know, without arch here, we're not, we don't try so much to stay in that 30 minute window, but uh, we'll keep it tight. We'll keep it focused. And, um, you know, you guys get on there and uh, comment, let us know what you're doing. If you're doing any of these totals and uh, let us know what you're betting on, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. But in the meantime, guys, make some money fools.
2: Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owners, operators, or guests of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents.
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.